Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, everyone. This is Hugh Ballou. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. In the last seven and a half years, we've had fascinating people. Um, and today is certainly no exception. People who've been there, done important things, um, most of the time have had multiple experiences, sometimes multiple careers like yours truly. And we've learned from each one. And as we get older, we get to take all of that knowledge, that experience and that wisdom and put it together. So our goal here is to help you learn sound business principles for running the business part of your nonprofit or your church, your synagogue, or your organization, your membership organization. And my guest today is a gentleman whom I've just met, uh, but I looked at his one sheet, looked at his website, and I said, we need to have this man tell his story to nonprofit leaders on the nonprofit. So I'm going to throw it to Bill Why do you do what you do? Hugh, uh, yeah, so so thank you for the introduction. Thank you for having me on the nonprofit exchange here today. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor since 1987. And the reason I do what I do is I love watching women and men who want to help people. They have an idea about helping people. They're not sure how to do it. And I'd love to watch them be successful. Uh, my, my whole ministry has been about pouring into, into people who want to do things or action oriented. Uh, they want to make a difference either in their family or in their community or their business, wherever it may be. Uh, and I get to live vicariously through them. So uh, gosh, that's, that's what I do. What I do. We tell, we help start ministries. We help start nonprofits, churches, for-profit businesses that are more kingdom oriented uh, most of the things that we work with and have helped start are nonprofits. So my heart really goes out, especially to those who are cause driven. They want to make a difference. And uh, they oftentimes uh, want to do that in such a way uh, that is sustainable. And that's one of our fortes. If you want to be around for a while and you want to be financially sustainable and you want your cause to change that community or that neighborhood, then, then we love to work with you and we get to live through you. We get to celebrate your success uh, from behind the scenes. Yay. So Bill Wolsey's been around. He's done some important things. And the, if you want to find this interview, there'll be a transcription on the interview page. Go to the nonprofit exchange, T-H-E nonprofitexchange.org, O-R-G. And that'll lead you to the summary page. And then you can find all of the episodes and um, Bill, Bill's um, quotes and his sound bites will be there in the transcript. That's always scary when, when you, when you say that, you know, you're kind of like, Oh my, I wonder what's going to, what they're going to pick out of this baby. I had a fun, <laughs> I, I work with groups and, and teach them how they can take what they already know. You know we, we have things we know we haven't figured out how to, how to utilize them in a different setting. So one of my fun, fun jobs was to do leadership for the American Coral Directors. So I had 100 of my peers, 100 conductors in the room. And um, it was scary at the end, they were quoting me. I said, oh my. So, so I lived to take what we know as conductors and transpose it into a non-musical setting, which if you know how to rehearse, know how to run a rehearsal, you know how to run a meeting. Just have to think of it differently and get out of the habit of the old. And, and so um, you've had... Uh, you're, let me just also say, when you go to the nonprofit exchange, uh, org and you find the interview page, the video will be there, the transcript, also a link to Bill's website. It's called 52.com. It's written out, F-I-V-E dot, 
no, no, no dot, excuse me, five, F-I-V-E-T-W-O.com. That's where the dot goes. And you'll find out more about Bill and what he does. But we're here to not to sell something. We're here to, to share some stories, some wisdom, uh, have a good time. And hopefully you'll go away with one new idea that you can implement right away. So we're talking about nonprofit growth. Now, talk about the word nonprofit. <laughs> In my world, that's just a really bad word. It's a lie. And so you talked about starting up businesses, starting up nonprofits, starting up churches, starting up associations. And I do the same thing. And it's it's all very, very similar, except it's a lot harder in a nonprofit or church. So talk about the business concepts, that the mindset that we need, first of all, for that success to gain sustainability. Right. So the nonprofit world especially... Uh, exist because of a cause. There, there's some cause that's back that's driving this impetus forward. And when we work with teams and, and leaders and, and train them, our process we lovingly call Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban. And uh, so, so the Mother Teresa is this cause part, but the friendly Mark Cuban is the, the business acumen. Uh, we, in our training, we employ lean business startup principles. So uh, we, we don't want you to spend a dollar prematurely. You can only spend a dollar once. Uh, we want you to spend it well. Uh, and therefore, we have you do testing and we have you make sure that you're really honed in on who it is that you're serving and what that person is trying to attain or what the pains are they're going through and how your particular cause your value is, is, gonna, is going to benefit them. Uh, we actually, you know, Hugh, we took, we took the name 5-2 from the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. So in that account, when Jesus tells his, uh, his followers come to him, his 12, they come to him and they say, you need to send the crowd away. Everybody's hungry. Uh, they need to go get something to eat. And he commands them. He, he doesn't speak much in that miracle, but he commands them, first of all, and he says, you give them something to eat. So in other words, he holds them accountable for the crowd, for the community, which nonprofit leaders, they get that. They, they understand that. They see a problem and they're trying to fix this problem. And then, then they say to him, well, it's going to take half a year's wages. And, uh, you know, the backstory would be, we're never going to see these people again. We don't know them in the first place. They're all strangers. We don't live here. And uh, you don't want us to spend half a year's wages. It'd be a waste of money. Jesus says, go and see how many loaves and fish you have. He commands them again. So both times he speaks, commands. He sends them into the crowd. They find the little boys, five loaves and two fish. And you also want to kind of go, surely y'all couldn't find more food than that in a crowd this size. But that's what they bring back. And Jesus takes the meager five loaves and two fish. He multiplies it and feeds the crowd. When we work with nonprofit leaders, one of their biggest issues is where's the money going to come from? Usually their second one and they're tied together is where the people, the volunteers going to come from. And what we encourage you to do is before you go there, that you really focus and define very clearly who you're serving, what you're doing to serve them, because it's, it's the success in that serving that you can then share with donors. And that's how you're going to build your donor base. That's how your donors are going to feel like their ROI is coming back to them in what you're doing. So we, we teach that miracle, uh, really a uh, abundance and scarcity that nonprofit leaders are, are always, <laughs> they're on this scarcity, you know, kind of gopher wheel kind of thing or hamster wheel. Uh, and what we want to do is, is when you tie in really tight on, on this customer that, that God is calling you to, to care for and to make their life better or that cause better, you'll be surprised how the community will come forward and, and will we'll, uh, help fund that, that cause. And you've just expanded on what I noted, that nonprofit is, is a word that puts us into that scarcity mindset. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a great statement. It, it, and what's really kind of cool, if you were to go to read Mark 6, where our account of the miracle, we use that account, the whole chapter is a scarcity chapter. Uh, he sends his, his uh, 12 out on a mission trip. They can't take anything. They can just take the shirt on their back and the shoes on their feet. And so they have to do the work with no resources. 
except for his spirit, his presence. And it's it works. And then they they come back and he does this miracle and they don't get the lesson. They they go, well, how are we going to feel all these people? And he's like, I got this. And in nonprofits, yeah, you know, you said earlier it's a kind of a, a joke phrase or you know the tag. Uh, I run into people all the time. Well, you can't make a profit in a nonprofit. Well, you can't. You don't own the nonprofit, and you can't keep the profit. The profit needs to be reinvested, but you should be making a net profit or else your nonprofit's not going to, not going to stay around long. Yeah, we frame it as proceeds. That gets people less anxious, but you're right. <laughs> if you don't make a profit, you can't pay salaries. You can't pay for program development. You can't impact people's lives. And you mentioned ROI. In the traditional um, equity funding ROI is you get money back from your investment, return on investment. This is return on impact. That's right. Uh, and I like to use ROL return on life because you're giving people life they didn't have before. That's so let's, great, let's unpack this true. scarcity. So the, 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 the story that you talked about, I never thought about it commanding, except I thought about it him and saying, do this, which I didn't use the word command, but it, you're right. It's just, it's not, Jesus was always very clear and very, <laughs> very principle based, you know, sitting yeah. groups of 50, um, get the loaves and, and fishes and he blessed them and had 12 bas baskets left over from, right. from almost nothing. So it's, it's in some sense, we with this scarcity um, thinking are our own worst enemies. That, that is, that is so very true. Uh, we use this miracle uh, in, in our training as a fundamental uh, starting point because there are some core values that Jesus demonstrates in this miracle. And when you're going to start or lead an organization, doesn't matter what it is, if you're the leader or the founder, especially, your values, the organization's going to take on your values. It's going to look like you. Matter of fact, if you find yourself in a new position and you can't get the values to marry up well, uh, at some point you're going to leave or else they're going to kick you out because y'all just don't fit. So values are critical. And we want the leader to understand that if you're if, if you are a Christian or you're you know a person of faith, then make sure those values are being lived out, not left home, not left at home. And, and so often in scarcity, uh, when we get into these mindsets, we forget that the God we serve created it all, owns it all, has distributed it all, has planned for it all. Uh, and we are but the stewards and the, the managers. If we would adopt that more, along with 2 Corinthians 7, 8, 9, uh, where where Paul talks about God being generous and a, generosity is his his middle name. It's his first name. He is a grace filled God. If if we would we would remember that more, we'd be less stressed in our lives. We would also be able to look for those resources, and that's what's key. You know, those resources are in the community. Uh, if you're doing a nonprofit, you probably are not the first person to have the idea. Somebody else has had the idea but you are providing leadership to it, so. Well, and, and if they got the same exact idea, you should have checked ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Chances are, I mean, you and I do this pretty much the same kind of footprint, but we probably do it very differently. And if you and I were to work every minute every day, we still wouldn't scratch the surface of people that need this. Um, so it's interesting that that story, um, I think it was yesterday in the daily lectionary, um, came up today was the Lord's oh. prayer. Uh, it was the it was the the reading for the day, and the, the the regular not the Sunday lectionary but the regular one where you have to go through the Bible. There's two different stories about feeding people with slightly different numbers, but the same concept. Mm -hmm. And I often wondered if it was the same place and different interpretations by the different <clears throat> gospel writers. But it it's a it's a fundamental. I do think Jesus takes. And it's what we, we've learned and we apply in center vision, we take the values and we take it further with guiding principles. Um, and every time you see Jesus addressing something, it's very principle-based. He ain't going to be buffaloed. He's going to be sticking to principles, which is the core of defining our culture. And I think the principle is that, that God's given us abundance. And, and so we're being unfaithful by denying that. That, that is a, 
that is a very true and accurate statement. Uh, we're, we're unfaithful, and, and I guess the, the opposite of that or the other side of that is that we're doubting. We are unbelieving, right? It's, uh, you know, Peter stepping outside of the boat. It's, uh, you know, you said two miracles. It's actually in Mark 8 that the next feeding of the 4,000 happens. And there... Uh, this time, the crowd is there for days. It's not just right. it's right. not just an afternoon. And there, the disciples again are like, we don't need to feed these people. <laughs> How's this going to happen? You're just like, man, it takes a long time for people to, to get this mindset that God's going to provide. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you think the guys that hung around would learn. But, you know, we all have our have our challenges. Um, about how do we how do we take these lessons that have been taught us, and I do find that there's recurring issues. Um, that's Matthew 13 that you're referring to, isn't it? Uh, Mark Mark six and Mark eight. It's Mark, in Matthew's Mark. gospel. Feeding the five thousand is the only miracle that's in every gospel, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. important. So you know we ought to listen was, up. So. It was the Matthew iteration, yes. So it's repeated for a reason. So. What you talked about, uh, let's go back for ask this next question. Um, you talked about cause based charities. There's cause based businesses, cause based churches, cause based um, associations. Define what you mean by that, that definition. By cause based, so when we work with you, we want to really dig in and understand what drives you. So, what's the passion on your heart? And a cause would mean this is what's motivating you, what's pushing you out there, uh, that's filling your boat, that's you know filling your engine, that's waking you up in the morning. So, matter of fact, the number one thing we assess for with our leaders is cause cause driven. Uh, you know, some people would say, "Well, my cause is to make money." Okay, that's fine if that's your bottom line. The people we work with, that's one of their issues, but it's not their primary driving issue. So, you know, we've helped launch things that are uh, get women out of sex trafficking into homes and apartments. And that ministry, that nonprofit was started by a former police officer in Detroit who Debbie worked in the sex crimes division and felt God wanted her to do something about the problem rather than prosecute the people who were the problem. Uh, we've worked with mobile medical, help start mobile medical clinics, mobile food banks, support groups for single Puerto Rican moms, uh, language schools for Hmong, lang uh, Hmong immigrant children, uh, homeless shelters, uh, coffee shops that double as churches and community centers. Uh, so all of those were started by a person or a, a husband, wife, or a team. And they were united around, this is the cause, this is the problem, this is what we want to fix, this is what we want to solve for. Uh, and it was philanthropic or altruistic. Uh, it was social good would be maybe another way that people would, would say that today. So, uh, you know, my cause is developing people. I want to pour into people for the sake of Jesus. I want to see his kingdom grow. That's what drives me. That's what gets me up in the morning. It's why I lead a network, uh, you know, 6,000 plus people, uh, why we have a training platform, why we do what we do is because that's what I want to see happen. That's the legacy I want to leave behind that not just I want to leave behind, but I believe God wants me to leave behind. So um, one of our listeners on here um, teaches um, um, in junior colleges and um, um, they're not candidates for Ivy League colleges. They're, they're people who, you know, live, live in very common places. So in not very substantial means, typically. And so he presented to one of them, write two things, you know, I want you to choose a nonprofit and, and report about it. And they first said, what is a nonprofit? And then the other project he, he attempted, this is the very beginning of the the term he said um i want you to write what's going to be on your tombstone your 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 eulogy uh, you know what's going to be your eulogy and what are they going to say about you when you're gone they didn't know what a eulogy was and uh so it's it's a new experience and getting outside of your comfort zone discovering something new but it 
right, reminds me. So when they started thinking about, well, what, what are they going to say about my life when I'm no longer here? And part of what you're doing is creating a legacy by empowering other people to be successful. So it's right. the Woolsey, Woolsey legacy by um, it's, it's uh, by the, your, your brand name. So talk about uh, in order for organizations to be successful, there's a, and you, you mentioned in the title of this is about growth. And so it's not only um, we want to grow our church to be big, well, we need a, we need a critical mass of people to be able to do something significant. So there's a factor, a growth factor that's so essential. So talk about what, what are the key um, ingredients for growing any organization, especially a nonprofit or, or cause-based charity? Well, we, we begin with the person who's, who's leading it. It's going to rise and fall to a large degree on that. So you've, you've got this leader, this individual who uh, wants to see change happen. They want to see something happen. They're also going to have a skill set that's going to help with that. Now, again, the smaller the entity, uh, your skill set is probably going to be more generic, uh, more utilitarian. Uh, perhaps they've started things before in the past. Uh, again, if, if we if we can if, when we assess you, we can almost tell how scalable you're going to be, because to start something and then scale something that's a whole other thing. But you want to get that leader and then the leadership team very critical. Uh, we want them to be self-aware. That's why we do the work we do on the front end of saying, "Are you? do you understand what's driving you? Do you understand the boundaries that you've set on things? If you really want to know what your values are, just see when you get angry at people. They crossed a value of yours. They broke a value. And let's make sure you understand that because the more you understand it, you can articulate, you'll be able to recruit better for it. You'll also understand why people are, are becoming a part of your nonprofit, good or bad, your organization. So we focus, first of all, on that leader building a team around him or her that is complementary, mitigates their, you know, the leader's weaknesses, that complements the strengths of that individual. Uh, we also then want to see, depending on what stage they're at. So if we're talking about a nonprofit that's stuck, let's do that. So they've been around a little bit, you know, they had some success, or maybe they never got off the launch pad really well. Uh, after we say, okay, the leaders, we got the leader, we can pour into that person, we can develop that. The next thing we would do is to really help them hone in on their customer. Uh, right now, working with a nonprofit uh, in one of the communities near where I live outside of Austin, uh, she has had some great success. She's a United Methodist Church pastor. Uh, she has a heart for the business community, but also has a heart for the schools. And, and this particular community is, is somewhat impoverished. It doesn't have a good commercial income base. So the schools uh, are, are hurt, hurting. And, uh, but she was kind of running around circles, you know, and she had this fire, this fire, this fire, this fire. And how do we align that and build some momentum for growth for that? And so we, we worked in about three hours, worked on actually probably six hours, worked on who's that customer. And that's going to flow out of who do you want to serve? I mean, if we had to lop off everybody else you're serving, but you get to keep one that's really has your heart that you resonate with, you can talk their language, you know, you've been in their shoes, they look like you, feel like you, it's that kind of thing. She said, you know, I really have a heart for the business leader. I really want to help the business leader and their businesses be successful in the community, but also bring good to the community. So we ended up there understanding, helping her understand that her core customer is this business leader. It's usually a small business, maybe mid-sized business. Uh, but then the partner that she needs to be successful in her nonprofit, she needs a great relationship with the principals, principals of the schools, because they're the ones who share with her the needs of the children and the mentoring program. So she's actually going to help the business leader be successful by providing a lunch on a regular basis for her employees, his or her employees but then also providing them an opportunity to bless the community, build goodwill in the community for the business, but do good in the community in the form of children and families. So that, so we would focus on that, that customer and what's their business strategy? How are they going to do that? Then we also always look at sort of income stream and is the income stream. We encourage that it has both an earned income stream and a donative income stream. And the donative, that's pretty straightforward, but it could actually be those businesses. It will be the businesses. They'll help 
give donations to her nonprofit for her to do her work for them. So in essence, they've kind of hired her, you might say. But then also, are there some earned revenue streams through facility rentals, through you know, service provision, whatever it may be, uh, and that builds a stronger base. So leader and team, customer, you can't boil the ocean. So laser focus there. What are your strategies? How's your income going to be provided? Uh, and then usually with nonprofits, we find most of them are not adept at fundraising and the leader of the nonprofit could use some strong coaching and training and fundraising. We have a whole module we work with on that. Uh, and then last of all, after that, it would just be your communication channels, your platform. How are you getting your story out effectively, uh, redundantly, repeatedly? Uh, that would be that would be key too. That's quite a list. Um, and so, I think you may be aware of my 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 previous career was a church music director, and there, oh. and and on on the music stand is like the strategic plan. That's the music score. Mm -hmm. And you know, we want to just say, okay, y'all come, and we're going to make music. And then what you get is this grand cacophony. So instead of a um, a board that's that's energized, you get a board that looks like this. And so, you know, you have people that are turning their back on you and because they don't get it. And, and so what I find, and you just highlighted a number of important topics in that uh, a description that you gave. So there's basically the bottom line for me is uh, the organization is gonna function to the level of the leadership. And if yes. you started it, you might not be the one to lead it. It might be your vision. And many times visionaries are not tactical. And, and so to, to realize that, and we prefer to think of skills and gaps in center vision, you know, that I got these really good skills, but these I don't do so well. That's a gap that I, somebody else has got that as their number one skill. So we bring them in. So I don't think we know how to lead in that manner in nonprofits because we think if we delegate it, we're irresponsible rather than being a wise leader. You want to talk about, you know, empowering others for a minute. Right. It, you know, again, it, the past experience is the best predictor of future success. And if, if you as a, Bigger. if you as a nonprofit leader, it's, it's very hard to lead into a place you've never been. Or let me just say it's more difficult. If you've been there before, maybe you were on the boat and, you know, you, you were on the boat that scaled something. You weren't in charge of the boat. You were a helping hand. But at least you've been on the journey before. So, for instance, in, in my own uh, ministry, I started out by the grace of God. I was always in large churches. So my first call, it was a relatively large church. So it's kind of 650 in worship, uh, West County, St. Louis. I was youth and evangelism. But the congregation, while I was there, uh, uh, I was, you know, the outreach guy and small groups. And that we that ministry grew to about 800 uh, in a couple of years. So it was uh, an anomaly around there. Uh, then the next ministry I was at was I was evangelism, adult ed, discipleship, uh, small groups, and executive pastor, and that was seven years. And But they asked me to start a contemporary worship service, and I was the guy who organized all of that. Well, I can't sing a lick, you know. I So you've got, when, when you're put into those situations and you realize this is what we're trying to do, I'm going to have to build a team. I'm going to have to get people around me or else it's just not going to happen. And I was always in team settings, and that ministry grew from 650 to 1100. Uh, and then my family, we were called to start a church in West Houston. Now, the dad who raised me was Hispanic. Uh, he was my stepdad, but he raised me. And I always thought I'd go be a missionary in Mexico. I love the culture, you know, from Texas. But the only model I'd ever heard of was they kind of parachute you in. You're like by yourself, and you got to pull this thing off. And Man, I had never been by myself. So when we went to start this church, I convinced the leaders uh, to be to, to let us bring a whole staff in from the beginning. So we approached it like a business, got a line of credit, you know, got people to, to back us, da, da 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 and we were off to the races, 40 acres of land, seven families to 1,600 families, uh, you know, three locations. But we only could do it because... We had we had a one or two paid staff. There were two with me, and then your your question there on how do you how do you delegate and mobilize? 
we had a lovely phrase that we called key volunteers, they were unpaid staff. So we elevated them as staff, they had responsibility, they had authority, but they didn't need to be paid. They had life situations that that wasn't a necessity for them, but they did have time on their hands and they wanted to use it well. So if, if you're going to raise up people, you as the leader have to be clear. You have to be clear on where you're going. That's the vision thing. It's like, a, you know, think of it a destination. Vision answers the where question. And before you'd get on the plane with me, you'd want to be convinced of two things. One, do I know where we're going? And two, can I get us there? Can I fly us there? Else you won't get on the plane. So you've got to be clear for your staff or your volunteers what it is we're trying to do. And then, and this is a little adage I heard decades ago, but I still use it. Everyone wants to make a significant contribution to a successful cause. So how can I help them see the significant contribution they're making to this successful cause? Why do I need them? Why do I even want them on the bus in the first place? You know, what are they bringing to the, to the show? And then am I gonna be a strong enough leader to make sure the boundaries are clear, but they're wide. So we can play in this field over here, but then am I gonna be a strong enough leader to let them go play and to resource them, not direct them. Uh, and that's, that's a key mindset. Way wise words. We're gonna pay some bills here for a minute and we'll come back and unpack the leadership skills of Jesus as per delegation. Um, so um, Center Vision publishes a magazine um, nonprofit Performance 360. It's leadership stories, lessons, articles about how you can continue to raise the bar on your leadership. If you um, are running a cause-based business and you're philanthropy-minded, you might want to use some of your marketing money to reach nonprofit leaders if you offer a service that might help them be more effective. So we have a unique marketing package. It's the magazine's mailed like this with your logo on the front your offer, you can give them the magazine and make an offer, but it's very targeted and the ROI, which means return on your investment in this case, is extremely high. Our open rate is almost 100% for those packages that come in the mail because we clearly identify. So if you want to use your marketing money for philanthropy and be good at marketing at the same time and get an extremely high ROI, um, Hugh, at centervisionleadership.org. Email me. It's on the page for this interview at the nonprofitexchange.org. So, Bill, um, these are really, really important topics that you're bringing up. And the illustration that we started, that you started with, was the Jesus feeding the multitude. So he had his his group, uh, and he just said, "Follow me," and they did. So you know, follow me. And to me, that's an invitation. And what he did is delegate, group them into 50, have them sit down, find some food, and then they brought it to him. So basically, he was very clear. And so that's, I find that deficit a lot. There's two big barriers I'd like you to speak to. One is lack of clarity. We can't, we got this, this vision for what we're doing, and it takes us 30 minutes to tell somebody, <laughs> we should do it in 30 seconds. And then secondly, um, we, the, the biggest issue I see over and over and contributes to the massive burnout rate is over-functioning. And so we don't delegate because we ought to be willing to do what we ask other people to do, which is an excuse, mm -hmm. not a reason. So over-functioning, we're robbing people of an opportunity to what you just talked about. So mm -hmm. speak to over-functioning and how that model of Jesus, you know, delegating. Speak to those two, please. Yeah, uh, you know, you're... you're your first one there where you said vision and clarity, I, I want to kind of double click a little bit on that. And that uh, we actually, we, we want to see, we have a pitch process. Uh, it's, a, it's a 15 second message map. So in 15 seconds, you should be able to tell me what it is your org does and three unique characteristics that set it apart from the others. Uh, the one sentence statement uh, we want to see in 144 characters, not 144 words, 144 characters. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard, it's easy to say a bunch of words. It's hard to say a few words that are all you need to say. 
so so that vision clear is very important. And matter of fact, when it's not, everything becomes fuzzy. Your staff aren't sure. They're not sure what you want to do. Your donors aren't sure what you do. Why should I give you $100,000 to invest? Uh, so that's, that's very, very important. I would just say your delegation aspect and then Jesus' whole miracle there. Uh, first of all, in the delegation, use the word, uh, I'm trying to think what word you use, but I would also use this word trust. You said over, over function. And yes, uh, your typical founder type A personality. But I also think oftentimes, you know, if, if, if they founded something and it's got some, some legs and street cred, they're probably pretty, you know, above average performer, right? I mean, there are probably a number of things they can do pretty well or else they wouldn't be in that role. They didn't pull it off. It, they're going to have to come to grips with uh, people that they may have to delegate to that they're going to have to help them get to that level. Uh, and, you know, a buddy of mine who used to run a number of huge companies and he told me early on, he probably told me this 20 years ago because he was on my board and his family were there when we first launched and a church in West Houston. And he said, Bill, you, you're such a high demand and you want A players. And he said, but the reality is you're not always going to have A players and you're going to have some B's and some C's and you're going to have to really come to grips with how you develop the C into a B and the B into an A. But to just say, if you're not an A, you can't play on my team. He said, my sense is you're going to, you're going to live a life of frustration. And so, so that was a great mindset because it's like uh, in, 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 you know, being a pastor, I, I got the Ephesians four equipping the saints for the doing good works, doing the ministry, but on the staff, I kind of I kind of forgot that at times. And so how do we develop the people around us, but look internally and why is it I'm not trusting them? Why is it that I'm not willing to to hand this over to them? And maybe there is a good reason. Maybe there's something subconsciously that I frankly don't think they're competent enough and I need to address that. Either that's my bad or they aren't. And, and we need to have that conversation. Uh, but I often find it's a, a an expectations issue that's not necessarily needed. Um, and believe me, I'm not a guy who likes to do half-ass work. But at the same time, how can we do it well? And how can we help people succeed in what in the seat we have them in? So uh, I would I would encourage you as a leader to to look at a trust issue, a respect issue. If you've never run your staff through any kind of assessment, uh, you know, Hugh, I don't know what you use. We use a, a Harrison assessment, job success analysis assessment. And uh, it's based on enjoyment theory uh, that if you enjoy doing something, you're probably pretty good at it. People tell you you're good at it, you get better at it, and it just feeds on itself in a wonderful way. So as much as possible, I always try to get people into spots they enjoy and they're good at. And uh, as opposed to, you can't always do that. And there are times we have, everybody has, somebody has to sweep the floor, whether you like it or not. Uh, but uh, if, as much as possible, if I can do that with the, the key volunteers I have and the key staff that I have, it, it mitigates the management struggles. Yeah. So I um, worked my way up from 120 member church to 12,000 and had, uh, you know, hit the more times you hit the wall, the more you learn, you've got to delegate. And so having 750 people managed in 2022 20, ensembles and committees and such, you got to learn pretty fast. You got to get things off your plate, but you also have to be very clear. And yep. so in the, the last church I served, you'll love this. We eliminated the word volunteer. Hmm. Just cool. totally, totally. So we went from a small group of people volunteering and doing a half-assed, as you say, job to saying, okay, no more volunteers. You're going to be members in ministry. You're servant leaders. So pretty much everybody in the church stepped up to a job because we stopped doing and we empowered people. So um, what you just talked about, I'm hearing as um, our number one job is to be clear on a vision. Number two is to empower others to, to utilize their skill. And even the person sweeping the floor and making coffee can perceive themselves as a leader because oh. they're making something happen. Yeah. And, and again, uh, you know, the people with spiritual gifts of helps, uh, you know, the, they they get great fulfillment out of using those gifts yeah. in a variety of ways. So 
as, as the leader of the org and, and the people around me that I'm responsible for developing and equipping, uh, clarity, again, my clarity and, and simple, you know, clear, concise, compelling, kind of those three C's uh, for them. Uh, but then what is it that I need from them? Uh, you know, what, what contribution am I looking for? So I'm clear, not just on where we're going or what we're trying to do, but clear on what the expectations are for them. So it's one thing to delegate and then abdicate. That's not what we're saying. You delegate and, and stay in touch and make sure they're clear on what you're expecting and what the organization needs. So again, just your swing thought is how can I help them be successful? And, and you're trying to help them be successful because then everybody is successful and everybody wins. Uh, you know, I think also my son is a, he's a consultant with Bain Consulting, which is a very high stressful consulting group. And I asked him, I said, so tell me what your schedule looks like. This is a couple of years ago. He now leads the team, but when he was on the team, first of all, you know, companies that hire them, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for a week of work. Uh, but, and they're trying to value companies to buy and sell and all this kind of stuff. And he said, well, in the morning we meet as a team, the manager goes around and says, okay, what are you doing? You know, next few hours, what are you doing? What are you doing? Doing? He said, every couple hours they check in, how's it going? Do you need something else? Uh, can I get you something else? Da, 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 da. End of the day. Okay. Did you get this done? How'd this go? So what I, what I learned there was they've got high performing people. I mean, these are very high performing people. You don't, you don't get in there if you're not, but they also have a very uh, rigorous communication of manager to team. Mm -hmm. So they don't just let them go do because they know at the pace they're running, they're going to hit walls and they want to help them not get frustrated and they want to help them figure out we can get through that wall. And that was a huge insight for me that, you know, I, and I think a lot of the nonprofit leaders we've worked with in the past, they tend to think, well, if I tell you kind of what I need done, you'll go figure it out and you can go work on your own instead of, we probably ought to talk about this and make sure you've got what you need. And which is a change in the leader, the leader has to change. And that's a huge issue. In the writing of Murray Bowen, psychiatrist with Bowen Leadership Principles, mm -hmm. he talks about you can't change other people. One of the principles is you change yourself and people respond to you. That's right. Family Systems 101. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so um, we're going to do a forum. We're robbing them of opportunity. Plus, hmm, uh, we're, we're really irritating them <laughs> many times. I was trying to think of a nice way of saying that. So... Um, that was a lot of it. Your big, your big sound bites there will be in the transcript. We're at the nonprofit exchange, um, interviewing Bill Wilsey. His uh, his website is five uh, two f i v e t w o dot com, and he obviously is a person of great wisdom and experience and passion for changing people's lives by equipping leaders. Um, so there's there's a lot of times people say, "I got it." Well, the thing that stood out to me that I want to go back to, I mean, the, everything you've said is brilliant, but one thing stood out to me that's lacking in delegation is performance expectations. And you said expectations. So we're setting up conflict right there by not clearly saying <laughs> this is what it looks like and what I expect, right? Uh-huh. Right, right. So uh, the, the, one of the reasons I love the assessment tool that we used and I've used it with staff and we use it with all of our teams we work with and all our employees and for, I use it for a decade, but it, it uses what is called paradox theory. Okay. And paradox theory, it takes, it takes traits that appear to be uh, against each other and antithesis and they put them uh, next to each other and say, you know what, you can actually be both of these traits at the same time uh, and be effective. And one of the ones, and this is for those of you who are leading orgs and you have staff or key volunteers underneath you and you want to delegate things to them. One of the ones you should pay attention to in your own psyche is this assertive trait. And assertive means I will clearly say to you what I need. And oftentimes, and especially in nonprofit uh, leaders who are more quote unquote pastoral, 
they're compassionate, they're loving and serving. Uh, because what, what it does on this particular graph, uh, it says assertive on, on the, uh, you know, the, the x-axis, I guess that's, I always forget x-axis. And then on, on the, the horizontal axis is uh, uh, helping. And, and oftentimes if you're high in helping, but you're low in assertive, what happens is there comes a point you get upset at the person because they're not doing what you want them to do. But your problem is you never clearly told them what you wanted them to do. And so if you will learn how to grow in being assertive, doesn't be mean, it just means clearly, it goes back to that clarity thing you said earlier, clearly saying, you know, I need you, I need this by tomorrow at noon. And if, if we don't get it tomorrow at noon, we're going to miss this whole deadline. So tomorrow at noon, when he comes in to you and says, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, uh, you know, had to, I had to do this other appointment, I just wasn't able to get that done. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you've, you've clearly set the expectations and you can say, I already shared with you what was going to happen. And now I'm very frustrated, as opposed to I wanted it tomorrow at noon, but I never told you, I kind of hoped you do some osmosis ESP thing and get it from me. And so all of a sudden, it lets the emotions be out there in a valid way. Uh, and, and, it, and it won't, it, it'll mitigate some of the conflict uh, that all of a sudden, you know, you don't just all of a sudden become a bear and they can't figure out why the heck you became SOB, you know, the whole thing. So That's right. <laughs> so um, the things you're describing, I would say fit into, we, we've embraced transformational leadership as, you know, the, the empowering leader, it's about the vision. And it's about building leaders on teams fundamentally. So let me give you a couple of quotes. Would you, are you okay to hear from a couple of people, questions? Oh, please. Or so on the way there, um, there's a quote from a couple of people I'd like you to respond to. Uh, this Jewish guy named Paul says, um, be, be transformed in, in RSV. I like this version, be transformed by the renewing. Yep. Instead of renewal, it's, it's ongoing. And then uh, James Allen, his little book, As a Man Thinketh, uh, people want to change their circumstances but are unwilling to change themselves, they therefore remain bound. Yep. So it's there's a lot on the leader to say, yes, I'm gonna embrace something different. You know, so oftentimes uh, you don't, the, the entrepreneur, the founder who scales is the exception. And the reason they're the exception, uh, there's a wonderful book uh, called Leadership Pipeline. It's by Ram Charan, C-H-A-R-A-N. And he, he has in there the understanding of the leadership ladder. And as an organization grows, or as you want to grow in an organization, every time you go up a rung, you have to change two things. You have to change what you value, which necessitates you change what you do with your time. So if you don't change what you do with your time, you really haven't changed your value. And so, and it's very hard to change values. And this is why in the beginning of, a, when you first start in an organization, you bring value by doing. But then when you get promoted, you manage doers and now you bring value by helping doers do successfully well. And so you're now bringing value, not by doing, but by helping others do. That's, a, that's the hardest switch anybody can make. So we'll often see founders who hit founders trap because they can't, they aren't willing to change what they do with their time and making sure everybody else is doing well. And they get stuck in that, you said it earlier, over-functioning. They're still trying to bring value by doing instead of by equipping others to do and their org doesn't grow and it falls back and yada, yada, so. Yay, that's a differentiation of self with Bowen Systems. So speaking of books, and you mentioned the word a philanthropy, Earlier, uh, we have Bob Hopkins, who's written this masterful book that every everybody should have on their coffee table because they're either running an organization or they're they're philanthropists, and he certainly understands philanthropy. Um, Bob, I bet you're hearing some good stuff. You have a comment or a question for Bill? Yeah, this is good conversation. I just left uh, that classroom that you were talking about, where we did our eulogies as the last assignment of my coursework, which is called human communications. But anyway. Uh, and it's amazing, the students were embarrassed to think out of the box. 
And not only were they embarrassed, they were embarrassed to tell anybody that they wanted to live a life that had adventure in it. And that was something really crazy. Like one boy, he said, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I've decided that I want to be Batman. And I'm going to be Batman and I'm going to die. And this is how I'm going to die. Is, and this is what, what I want as my eulogy. Of course, it was the only eulogy that was interesting because everybody else was going to have three kids and going to have a house and going to live in Montana and things like that. And when I was listening to you talk about structure and nonprofit organizations, it seems to me like we, we try to box people in to follow the rules and regulations without giving lots of freedom and encouragement to critically think about things that might be different. And what do you think about that topic? Well, I, I think first of all, uh, the, the box people in, you know, it, the reality is we do, we do have laws, we do have regulations, we do have rules, any organization, any family has rules to help it function well. I think, I think the key thing that you, you stress, Bob, uh, kind of what I said earlier, when I'm clear on where we're trying to go, we call it the commander's intent, okay? So what do you intend to try to see happen here? And what's your overall goal so that everybody else knows what the goal is, but then they can accomplish it in the ways they feel best are going to work in their situation or, or their, their neck of the woods. So I think what's critical is, first of all, to make sure you, there are boundaries. There are always boundaries. What are they as broad as possible? We're all going in this direction. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take that hill. We're trying to take that hill by tomorrow. And then what is it you're going to be doing that contributes to that movement, that overall direction? And yes, I, I'm a biggie in, uh, and probably because I'm this way, I don't want to be micromanaged. Uh, there are times, though, that I've encountered people who say, well, you're micromanaging me. And when I'm working with somebody, it's like, no, you just don't want to be managed. And there's a difference between being managed well and being micromanaged. But at the same time saying, how's it going? How are we doing on that project? Uh, so I'm big on what we're trying to get done. I'm going to give you the freedom. But if also understanding in leadership, if I give you the freedom, I'm also holding you accountable to the outcome. And so you can have the freedom to do whatever you want toward that outcome. But then you also have to be willing to own the outcome. And, and that's usually where people uh, oftentimes they'll want freedom but they don't want to be held responsible for what happens, even though, you know, we may have history that says, Hey, we know if you do it this way, we, we can have some success. We've already tried all that. So it's an art, you know, leadership. Uh, uh, there's a little book called the art of leadership and it is very much an art. Uh, but I'm with you, let them play, let them play, but there are some boundaries and here's what we're trying to get done. Yay. Bob always has good insights. Um, so, Bill, have you ever wanted to be Batman? <laughs> no. You know what? It, I try to think when you said that, I was just talking to my son the other day, and we built a home out in the hill country because my in-laws live uh, half a mile from us, and my wife is oldest, and my in-laws are 82. But I said to my youngest son the other day, I said, you know, I haven't, I haven't told my, your mother this, but there are times that I would love to just get like a uh, 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 you know, uh, an RV and pull it behind. And let's just go live, you know, in RV parks around the country and visit people. And, and I, but I don't think your mom's going to go for that at this stage of our lives. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you, that'd be my Batman. <laughs> that would be your good eulogy. So uh, Jeffrey, you're on, on, on mute your mic and you want to weigh in. We have two people here that are both CFRE professional fund funding executives who are both retired and um, supporting Cinevision. So Jeff, come on in. Oh, I just, I'll just say how great it is to see, see someone supporting the, the community like this, uh, Bill. It's, it's just tremendous to be able to have some resources. And one of the things that Hugh talks about all the time is, uh, it's just so important. And you talked about it too, which is that We've got a lot of nonprofits out there that think that they're they're sort of in a, in a vacuum from the business community and, and that they can do all of these other things and not pay attention to the business side because they're they're a nonprofit. Uh, 
hmm. quote unquote nonprofit. Right. I'm not a real big right. fan of the word the the, the word nonprofit. Uh, right. I tend to use the word charity, um, hmm. just because I think people see nonprofit and they think, oh yeah. Well, if you end every year with zero dollars, you're going to start every next year with zero dollars and you're not going to get very far. <laughs> that is, yeah, there's something magical about December 31. No, there's not. <laughs> the right. January yeah. one happens tomorrow <laughs> and it's the same bank account. So. Right, exactly. So, yeah, on the 31st of December, let's try and have as much money as we can. So when when the person comes to us on January 1st and says, I need help, we don't have to say, yes. well, give us give us a few months and we'll see what we can we can do for you, but yeah, just getting these folks to understand how important good business principles are just, and I think a lot of it's because folks, folks come into this very altruistic and with really great intentions and huge hearts, but nobody's standing next to them or behind them saying, hey, this is all great, but let's let's take a step backwards and let's let's focus on the things that are going to make you successful long term and and that's what you're doing which is really cool well thank you thank you very much jeff uh yeah our 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 start new training uh and and hugh you you mentioned 52.com and which is kind of our portal site and you can get to our training site which is startnewtraining.com you can get to it through 52 but we, you know, our whole focus, whether you're brand new and haven't started, you just got an idea and you want to turn it into a launch, or you already have something and you're not getting traction. Our three pillars are build, fund, and launch. And each of those has some key things you need to pay attention to uh, as you're going about it. And in this, in this community work you're doing, uh, you know, we say money is not the mission, but where there's no money, there's no mission. And so, so how is it that you're going to make sure the dollars you're using uh, are, are, are wisely being used and they're all contributing and pulling in that way? You know, we, we, when, we, when we work with people, they tend to define their customer or their client, if, that's, if that may be a better word for them, so broadly that it's hard to see the person. So go back to this clarity thing that you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, we want clarity on who you're serving. We want to know, you know, you can't boil the ocean. So let's laser in on this person you're serving and the smaller you are, the more critical that is. So you can leverage your resources uh, effectively. You can tell stories. You can find donors who also have that niche. That's who they want to serve. That's what they want to contribute towards. It makes your messaging cleaner. Everything becomes simpler when you are very clear on who God is, is calling you to serve and, the, and, the, and help in your community. Uh, very, very wise words. And I'd like to reemphasize something that you've, you have said, um, is that this is generic. If you're leading a business, you're leading a nonprofit, you're leading a church, you're leading a community organization, like a membership organization, the, the fundamental principles are the same. We, we lead, we lead the vision, we lead people. So we're down to the last minute and a half. What, what thought would you like to leave people or a challenge or a quote? What do you want to leave people with today? You know, probably off of what Jeff said uh, in his last words is that uh, so many nonprofit leaders don't have someone to walk with them or encourage them. You know, our network, we, we encourage, that's our fundamental value is we encourage people. And if you break down the word encourage, you pour courage in. And so, and so I would just say to you, if you're, if you're lacking courage, if you're lacking wisdom, you know, find somebody who will walk alongside of you, whether it be a coach or organization or network that's going to help in, you know, in the biblical picture of hold up your arms as you're trying to, to lead the charge out. So that would just be my word to you. You're doing great work. You're doing important work in your communities. And we for sure at 5-2 Start New Training, we want to help you be successful and effective because ultimately without you, there's going to be a need that goes uh, missing there in, in that city. Well, we'll see. Thank you for um, we'll see. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and experience today, which is extensive. And to find out more about Bill and his work, it's uh, 52, F-I-V-E-T-W-O dot com. 
and there you'll find uh, everything he talked about and his learning. So, Bill, thank you for sharing with us on the Nonprofit Exchange. Hugh, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.